Well, good morning. My name is Brian Hoke, and I get to serve in the role of Bishop of the Atlantic Conference of the Brethren in Christ Church. That's the family of churches that this great church is a vital part of. So I'm glad and excited to be with you here this morning for a number of reasons. Um, for a while now, I've had the opportunity to talk with staff, to talk with uh, the leaders of this church over the last numbers of months. Well, who am I kidding? I started this role three years ago, and I heard then that Woody was retiring. So, I mean, it's been years that I've been involved in transition process with you all. So, boy, is this a celebratory day, huh? No, it's... But in the midst of that as well, not just hearing about that, but hearing about all that has been happening here in this congregation. And it is so exciting then to just see and feel a piece of that this morning to be with you. So thanks for having me. I want to encourage you this morning as you begin this new season to continue to be on mission with Jesus. I encourage you to follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Keep in step with the Spirit as the Spirit continues to move you forward step by step. Sense where he's moving. Follow both as individuals and as a congregation because this congregation will not go anywhere that we all as individuals are not going. So follow as individuals and together as a family. Be bold through him to continue to make kingdom impact with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, with random people on the street. And may his kingdom be moved forward through all of you. You know, this is no small transition. But in some other ways, it's just a continuation of where this church has been headed over the last number of years. Hank is known to you, and in that, there's great continuity. However, Hank will not be Woody. And so God will use Hank in unique ways to help this community move forward. Where you have been is fantastic, and God has more in store. So while we have celebrated the life and ministry of one pastor in the weeks prior, we celebrate new possibilities today with a familiar face, but with expectation of what God will do next through him. But he's just one person through all of us together. So I'm excited to be here to help welcome Hank and Shell as your new pastoral couple. From my perspective, the church board, the staff, and numbers of other of you have led well through the discernment and transition time. You as a church, you've prayed, you've discerned, you've believed, and you've followed, believing that Hank will help to best lead you forward into all that God has in this next season of ministry. I affirm that with you. Thank you for praying throughout that time. I encourage you to continue to pray as this transition continues. So this morning, the reason I happen to be here is I get to help welcome your new pastoral couple in multiple ways. So we're going to do that in a few ways over the next number of minutes. One of those ways is we're going to have a little interview of the two of them. So you think you know them, right? They're familiar. Well, maybe you don't know everything quite about them. And then uh, after that, uh, Woody is going to come and he's going to have a blessing uh, for them and share a few words. And then we're actually going to have a formal time of commitment with the two of them. 
Actually, there'll be a question of commitment from all of you as a congregation. And then we just had that wonderful prayer for them. We're going to pray a prayer of commitment over them as well. And then Hank is going to share right at the end of this time. So that's kind of the, the lay of the land for the next number of minutes. So, Shell, Hank, I invite you to come forward and have some time to get to know the two of you a little better. So we're going to be talking to the two of them, asking them some different questions. Uh, I'm going to start off with a few easy ones here. Oh, well, there you go. Thanks. Those are so beautiful. I thought, actually, I thought I sat here on purpose to kind of be blocked by those, but all right. So uh, for both of you, where were you born and raised? I, I was born in Reading, Pennsylvania, and I grew up in Elverson, which is about an hour east of here. I was born in Monrovia, Liberia, and raised in Monrovia, Palisades Park, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. So how did you both meet, and uh, who was the first one attracted to the other? <laughs> so Hank and I both went to Messiah together. We were not friends, or we didn't really know each other. I wasn't very fond of him, but he then moved back to Harrisburg and moved in with some mutual friends. and. I'd say I was probably attracted to him first. He wanted nothing to do with me, probably. <laughs> that's, that's my version. <laughs> All right, that's your version, Hank. Do you have the same version or something a little different? I have learned she's always right. <laughs> All right, that sums it up. Now, you know, I gave him some questions ahead of time, but I always like to go off script. Why weren't you so fond of him in college? Well, they're not here yet, but next service, some of his friends will be here who were friends with him at Messiah. And I worked rec sports, and they were not nice to the people who worked rec sports. Okay. So I was just being Jesus and unlovable. <laughs> so uh, now I know you have two daughters. Tell us a little about them and uh, describe them to us for you. Go ahead. Um, Harper is a joy and a spitfire. She's brilliant, um, very passionate. She both has the, the quiet, calm spirit of her mother and the fire of her father. So we're very much looking forward to the teenage years. Um, How old is she now? She's four. And Kennedy is two. And we thought she was the quiet spirit of her mother. And now we're learning at two she's not. She also has a voice and a passion and is a joy as well. So uh, what do you all do for fun? Because I know you have a lot of free time with two little ones and jobs and all of those things. So, so in all that free time, what do you do for fun? Um, I'd say I guess our mutual hobby is we love food and we love going out to eat places and trying new foods. So that's, our, that's as exciting as we get. <laughs> yeah, I think another big part of it is I am a sports fan of some teams that are terrible. So a lot of my free time is spent moaning over them. So who was the first to come to this congregation, and how did you both end up here? So when I was a student at Messiah, I attended the old church on Chestnut Street on and off, and then had come here with some friends after Messiah, and then Hank moved to Harrisburg and came with us to HBIC. Yeah, a lot of people think, you know, I love this church, which I do, and I was obviously the first one here, but I always tell them that, Praise God for my wife, because if she didn't love this church, I wouldn't be here. 
And if she didn't love this church, we probably still wouldn't be here. So she was definitely the first one. Thanks. Well, what gets you excited? So that's kind of looking backwards a bit. What gets you excited about Harrisburg BIC and the ministry moving forward? Man, you're stealing my sermon. Um, All right. Well, don't preach the no, whole no, thing fine. now. Yeah. But, you know. I, think, I think just simply put, I think the, um, the people of this church get me excited. I think that you can go to many churches and know God's good. I think you can go to many churches and know God's moving. But you can't go to any church and find our people. Our people are blessed. Our people are gifted. And our people do the work. So they excite me. So how can this congregation, I just encourage them to continue to pray for the transition, pray for this church, but particularly to pray for the two of you. How can we specifically be praying for you and your family over this time? Go ahead. Um, we've never been senior pastor before. I've never been senior pastor before. So I think for us probably... Continue to pray for us. Um, this transition isn't a one-day thing. It's going to be a process for all of us. And I think so just praying for support, praying for wisdom, praying that we are led, um, fed, and held up by the Spirit. And, and pray for all of us because I think the future is exciting, the future is great, but we also have a great legacy to maintain. There's people who've been here for a long time, and there's people who've been here for a short time, but together... God's got us ready to do the work. So I think if we're just committed to praying for us in that way, it would be great. Pray for our daughters as well. I think one of the great blessings of this church is that Pastor Woody raised his kids in this church, and they still love Jesus. And that's one of my prayers. I have a lot of friends in ministry who, who the church beats up on the pastors, and their kids now have really harsh feelings towards church. And I already see our daughters' passion, I already see their hearts, and I already see the tools that God's given them, and, and I pray that God uses it to do more than we ever could for the kingdom, but I think that um, that's another way you can be a part of it, to love them, to not put expectations that are undue upon them, and to just let them be who they are and grow into who God wants them to be. We would very much appreciate that. Amen. Thanks. Well, I invite uh, Pastor Woody is going to come, and he's going to share a few words of blessing over them. Go over here. As most of you know, Hank was uh, the youth pastor of this church for the last 10 years. Hank could have left for greener pastures. He stayed. He could have been in bigger churches. He stayed. In fact... At one Brethren in Christ General Assembly, uh, a pastor from a much larger church tried to steal Hank to come to their church right in front of me. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm a pacifist, although I was stretched that day. I, uh, I went home and beat a pillow. <laughs> Hank, thank you for loving our teenagers with the love of Jesus. Amen. You changed many lives. Now God's going to use you in other ways as the new senior pastor of this church. You are my spiritual son. I don't have three sons. I have four. I could not be happier for you and this church. The God who has led us to this day, I have good news, is not going into retirement. He will lead this church as he has always led it. For over 120 years, he's led this church in all its manifest forms. 
Hank, your spiritual gifts are ready to be fully unleashed. It's going to be fun to watch. I ask all of you here to pray for Hank and encourage him. I ask you to give him the same chance you gave me 38 years ago, the same support you gave me 38 years ago. Hank, I saw you coming a long way off. Seven years ago, I just realized this is the next senior pastor of this church. I promise to pray for you. I promise to always be there for you if you need me. As it says in Hezekiah chapter 50, I got thy back, Jack. <laughs> More importantly, Jesus Christ has thy back, Jack. May God bless you and Shell and the kids and HBIC in the days and years to come. May his name be glorified through you and this church. I love you, Hank. My brother, my friend, my spiritual son, my new pastor. Thanks, Woody. We're going to have a time of commitment for Hank and Shell and for all of us together. And so I'm going to ask them a few questions and uh, feel a little like a marriage. I'm going to ask them to say I do and some things like that. But uh, in some ways, it's a significant relationship with uh, the pastoral couple and the church. And then at the very end, I'll ask you all a question of commitment as well. So Hank, I'll start with you. Having been called to be the pastor of this congregation, do you commit to this church as your church home, these people as your people, and this community as your mission field, as the call of God for this time? If so, please answer, I do. I do. And Hank, do you commit to give yourself faithfully to the ministry of the word and prayer, to be a good shepherd to these people, to minister to the needs of all alike, to seek the salvation of souls and the nurture of the growth of all, and to put the service of Christ and his kingdom above all else? If so, please answer, I do with God's help. I do with God's help. And do you promise if you are wronged, you will forgive as you expect to be forgiven, that you will seek always to keep yourself mentally alert and physically fit, and as much as it lies within you to be at peace with all people and lead this congregation in the ways of Christ as the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and power? If so, please answer, I do with God's help. I do with God's help. And this question is for you, Shell. Do you join in this commitment by declaring before God in this congregation your desire to follow Jesus and to grow in his grace and love, to support your husband, to cooperate with him in this ministry, and in every way possible assist in the building of the kingdom of God in this pastorate? If so, please answer, I do with God's help. I do with God's help. Thanks. And this is to you all as a congregation. Having called Hank to be your minister, do you now commit to him your prayers, your sympathetic understanding, your faithful support, your forgiveness when he makes mistakes, and to follow his leadership as he follows the leadership of Christ? If so, please respond, we do. We do. 
as a sign of that commitment, if you're able, I would invite you to stand as we pray together. Gracious God, what a time to be here, what a time to be serving, and what a time for this church to build upon the foundation that you have laid through many pastors and many years. And so now for Hank and Shell, for Harper, for Kennedy, we pray for them as a couple and them as a family. Thank you for their obedience to follow you, to do that personally, to do that as a couple, to do that as a family, and then to do that in relationship with this church as well. So we do pray for them. We echo all the prayers that we prayed earlier in this service. Most of all, Jesus, may your peace, may your wisdom, may your discernment, may as the Holy Spirit leads, may these two keep in step. May you give Hank boldness. May you give Hank and Shell a love for you that gets expressed in a love for each other that keeps their marriage strong, in a love for their children which keeps their family strong, and in a love for this congregation. May all of these people who are here, those that will be here in the next service, those that are a part of this community, may they know that they are loved by you because of the example of these two and their family. God, continue to push this church. May they not rest on what has happened, but they, may they build on that for all that you hope to do in the days ahead. Thank you for Hank specifically and his willingness to lead in that mission. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. I'm not sure if, I guess we just took the vow, so am I officially a senior pastor now? Yeah. <laughs> it took me about an hour to get myself together, then everybody stood up, so... Hi. Um, the, the passage this morning is uh, Lamentations 3, 22 to 26. You know, throughout this transition process, some of the, the fun questions I've gotten is like, so what's new? What's going to be new that we're doing? You know, what, what, what's next? What's next in the life of the church? What are your plans, you know? But the one that was my favorite I learned quickly was, are you ready? And that's one of those trick questions, right? Because if you say yes, and life happens, and ministry happens, and the potholes you don't see happens, then they're like, well, were you sure you're ready? But then the other time, you also can't say no, right? If you're like, no, they're like, why are we giving you the job, right? So it's a very, very fun question. And so I, I took those questions, and, and I laid them before the Lord. And, and I felt that the, the strong message for this morning is, you know, what is God's vision for us? What does God want to continue to keep doing here? You know, and I kept coming back to this passage because every time someone asked me, you know, what's new, God just said, my mercy is every morning. Every time someone asked me what's next, God just says, well, I'm still going to be faithful. Every time somebody says, what is your plans? God says, what is my plan for you guys? Because I want you to know that not only am I faithful, but I'm good. 
This morning, we celebrate not just becoming me, becoming senior pastor. We celebrate because we know that our God who has loved us is our God who's loving us right now, is our God who will love us in the future. Amen? Amen. So as we think about the plans and the future, may we be reminded and just centralize on this simple thought, what does God want for us? In Lamentations 3.22, we read, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. One of the things I love about this passage is that it's blessed Christians and followers of God for generations and centuries. Think about that for a second. This has been read for centuries upon centuries upon centuries, and it has blessed billions of people in the world. And my prayer this morning is that it blesses us in a new way. See, Lamentations is a collection of poems about the fall of Jerusalem. You see, that's pretty important because Jerusalem was the cultural Mecca of Israel. It was the spiritual Mecca of Israel. In fact, we as Christians have the deposit of the Holy Spirit as our down payment of the glories to come. They had Jerusalem. They had this promise that as long as they were faithful, as long as they were following God, as long as they were true, they would always have their land. But in Lamentations, you know, we used to believe Jeremiah wrote it. Now we don't know, so I just say God wrote it. But in these lamentations, you have five poems of crying out because Jerusalem has fallen. Five hopes of crying out because everything that was promised by God had come true, but not in the way they anticipated. See, part of the promise was also that if you are faithful, I will be faithful. But if you're not faithful, Jerusalem will fall. And God was patient. God was good. God was true. God waited for centuries and centuries and generations and generations. But now Jerusalem has fallen. All that they held dear was gone, they thought. All that they valued was gone, they thought. All that there was promised is gone, they thought. Yet in the midst of their crying, in the midst of their lamenting, they said, you know what? Because of God's love, we will never be consumed. What a message to all of us, because we also live in a world that's fallen. We also live in a world that's easy to see darkness. We live in a world that preaches and and, and uplifts violence. We live in a world that loves to say we follow Jesus, but not listen to a word that Jesus says. We love to be people who say we're empowered by the Spirit, but never shut up our mouths to listen to the Spirit. We love to live in a world where it's cool to be a Christian, but it's hard to actually be a Christian. We live in a world where sometimes we feel beaten, where sometimes we feel broken, or where sometimes we see the beatenness and the brokenness of our sisters and brothers, and that beats us up. But the lamentation and the prayer of hope this morning is that because of God's great love, we will never be consumed. His compassions are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. What a blessing, sisters and brothers, that every single day we draw birth on this side of heaven. Every single day we're blessed to interact with the world around us. Every single day we're here, God's mercies are with us. 
God's mercies carry us. God's mercy is promised to us. And remember, mercy is not just this idea of, you know, not getting what we do deserve, right? Mercy in the Old Testament is hesed, right? It's the agape love of our God. It's the love that's always working for our good. It's the love that always, always lifts us up. It's the love that says, you are my child. You are my daughter. Rise up, daughter of the king. Don't be defined by your situation. My mercy, my agape, my love, my hesed is new for you every morning. And praise God, we have a God who's faithful, even when we're not. You know, all of us in this room have been through transitions. We went through transitions physically in our families, physically with our own bodies, transitioned in our relationships, transitioned in our workplaces. We've recounted the last couple of weeks all the transitions this church has been in. But through every season, we praise a God who's in the past, the present, and the future. In every season, we lift up a God who says, I hold the future in my hands. In every season, we praise a God because we know by our life, by the life of this congregation, that our God is faithful that our God is good, and that our God is true. And if that God who's faithful and good and true loves us, we will not be consumed. We will hold on to his mercy, and we will say, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Our God is good. This passage reminds us, though, also that our God is our hope. Our God is our salvation. Will there be challenges in the future? Yes, there will be. But praise God that because of his love, we will not be consumed. Every challenge we can take to the Father, every obstacle we can cast our cares upon him, and everything we can know that we might not know the future, we might not know how to shake out this challenge, but praise God, he's already overcome everything. Some of us, if we're honest, we might be a little weary we might have been in this fight for 38 years. We might be in this fight for 38 minutes. We might be in this fight for 38 seconds. We might be a little weary because we're like, I don't know. I'm tossing to and fro. Well, that's okay. When the winds are raging, I have learned to what? Keep my eyes on Jesus. Because we can walk on water. Amen? Amen. Some of us might be doubting. Well, if you're unsure... Let God be sure of everything you doubt. Amen. If you're unsure, you're not sure what's going to happen, rest in the fact that God has always been faithful to you, faithful to this congregation, faithful to the world. Praise God who's faithful and good and true. Yes. Now, some of us are excited, and we're excited for many different reasons, but I pray to you, and I ask you, and I beg you this morning, don't be excited because I'm here. Be excited because our God is good. Don't be hopeful because I'm here. Be hopeful because God is the God of our hope. Don't dream dreams because I'm good or hopeful. Dream dreams because God is the God of our salvation. He's the one who has saved us. He's the one who's saving us, and he's the one who will save us. Many of us are in this room, but praise God, many more will come in this room. Praise God, many more will learn the love of Jesus. Praise God, many more will know that in this world that has so much trouble, Christ is their peace. We're going to pray for that. We're going to work for that. We're going to partner with the Spirit to do just that. But don't dream dreams because of me. Dream dreams because Jesus is the giver of our dreams. Amen? Amen. 
Our vision, you can find it on the website, you can find it on the bulletin. It reads like this. Our vision is to be a thriving, diverse urban church, sharing Christ's love and serving the needs of our local and global communities. Our vision is not changing. You can rest assured, our vision is not changing. You know, 11 years ago, I dreamed of a church that loved the city. I looked around Christianity, and the lie that was kind of perpetrated all over was that cities are where darkness is. And I was like, that's interesting, because it seems like darkness is everywhere. I believed in the lie that cities, you know, were where bad things happen. And that's interesting, because it seems to me that bad things have been happening everywhere. We believe the lie as a church that we need to run from our cities. So I wanted a church that actually loved the city it's in. Not just because, oh, God's called us here, but no, 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 no. God loves cities. We will love city too. We will be present in our cities, not because we have to, but because we want to. Not because it sounds good and cliche, but because that's God's heart. I was also looking for a church that was passionate about racial justice. And now this isn't just racial reconciliation where we can celebrate all being different sitting together. This is racial justice where when your sister and brother hurts, you hurt. This is racial justice where when you look at your brother and sister, they're your brothers and sisters. And it's not just a theoretical body of Christ. We are members of one another. Racial justice is the idea that when you go through something, we go through something. It's the idea that I cannot keep silent while I'm watching my brother or sister oppressed. I will not keep silent when I see the people of God suffering. Justice is making things right. And with God's help, we can look this country in the eye. We can look the church in the eye. We can look ourselves in the mirror and say, with God's help, we will be members of one another for the first time in 400 years of history in this country. We will truly be one. That's racial justice. And I was also looking for a church that actually didn't just have Jesus in the bumper sticker or Jesus in the mission statement, but it actually listened to Jesus. You know, a lot of our church spout Calvin and Luther, and they were great, but they followed Jesus. A lot of our churches in the Anabaptist tradition, we follow Menno Simons or maybe some of the great BIC theologians. But we got to start listening to Jesus. And I wanted a church where Jesus was truly the center. We're in a church where Jesus wasn't just the one who saved us, but the one who's alive and was raised on the third day. I wanted a church where Jesus was all that we had and all that we need and all that can sustain us. But I wanted a church that modeled Jesus. So not just know Jesus and listen to Jesus, but when Jesus did holistic ministry, I thought it was important to find a church and we the church to do holistic ministries. When people are struggling, we need to go down and help them back up. A church where addicts can feel at home because we're all addicted to something. A church where broken people can feel at home because we're all broken in some type of way. A church where everyone can walk in and know the love of Christ, but their bellies can also be fed. We wanted a holistic church. And the last one, I actually stole this line from Bishop Brian, but I couldn't codify this fourth thing I was looking for. But what it is, is I wanted a church that would truly release the kingdom of God into this world. Because as Jesus prayed, on earth as it is in heaven, that means we don't have to dream of heaven. We don't have to wait for heaven. 
We have to be the people working for heaven. And I don't mean that we work for our salvation, although Paul will tell me I'm wrong. You do need to work out your own salvation. But what I mean by this is simply this. We need the people who don't just dream of a better day. We are the light of the world. We need to be the people who are not just waiting for when everything will be okay. We need to go where it's broken and fix it. We need to go where it's dark and shine the light. We need to go where no one else goes. Why? Because our God is good. Our God is faithful. Our God is true. Our God is love. And this world will not know love, will not know compassion, will not know mercy, will not know grace, will not know truth, will not know Jesus without you. The humility of God is that he chooses to partner with all of us. What are you willing to do and keep doing to let this world know God's love? Eleven years ago, maybe not quite eloquently, but I waxed poetic to shell about all these things. The first night we met, I was like, yeah, churches don't even love the city. Look at all of them, they're leaving. Churches don't even know racial justice. It's like a bad word, as if, like, me saying something about racial justice is bad to you. They've been killing us for 400 years and enslaving us, but when we complain a little bit about it, say, you talk about it all the time, well, stop killing us. Four, 11 years ago, I was like, you know, and the other thing is churches don't even love Jesus that much. They like him. They like being on a need-to-know basis, but if you ask them, what does Jesus actually ask you to do? They're like, I don't know. That's interesting. Let me look in the scriptures. Maybe I'll find it. And I wanted a church that truly was about releasing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. My wife can be a little understated, you know. But her response was like, come to my church. I was like, well, that's interesting. That's not what I expected, you know. Like, just come to my church. I was just like, but no. She's like, all these things you're talking about, they're trying to do it. I was like, no church is trying to do this. I crafted this myself. And so I decided to give HBIC a chance. And I remember one of my first Sundays, we were sitting in the front row where we have, or second row where we haven't left for 11 years. Um, I think Pastor Woody was up here, and he was talking about this more than equals class. And I remember sitting here, and he was like, yeah, in this church, you know, in this class, we're going to talk about what it means to be the body, you know? Like, we're black, we're white, but we have issues, and we have stuff that we say to each other and do to each other. We're in pain, but we got to work it out. And I remember looking over the shot, and I was just like, that white man is crazy. Like, they really want to talk about this stuff? They're crazy. I also remember 11 years ago, I started meeting with Pastor Woody, and one of the things he said is, like, the thing that's really fascinating about this church is if all the people who do all the different things in this city and this region all decided to take off tomorrow, our region would be crippled. And I was like, that's a weird way to boast about a church. I've been blessed with a lot of senior pastors who boast about their church in weird ways, right? And I was just like, ooh, this is a different one. Like, really? But through the years, I found people who ran nonprofits. I found people who fed the hungry. I found people who go where the brokenness is. I found people whose life commitment isn't just to their ministry but to Jesus and using their ministry to introduce people to Jesus. I found people who truly love this city because they love people. I wanted a church that was passionate about racial justice, and I got introduced to a church that's willing to be a family members of one another. You know, I dreamt of holistic ministries, and then this church invited me to participate. And I think for a lot of us, that's the last step, to not just talk about what our church is doing, but to move from my church does this to we do this. 
to move from my church has all these outreaches to we have all these outreaches. And it's not just something that simply you can say, it's something you have to do. And I dreamed of a church that released the kingdom, and we're blessed that this little church that's parked in a garage, that's sitting on the hill that so many people have abandoned, is impacting Harrisburg, is impacting this country, is impacting the brethren in Christ. And praise God, if you look around the flags, we're impacting the world. Amen. Our vision is here to stay. But you know, visions always need new wineskins. Jesus tried to teach us something about this. Now, I'm not a wine drinker, but I'm told that when the old wineskins get new wine, they burst. And what's fascinating when we think about our vision is our vision isn't here to change. But we need to realize that visions always need new wineskins. There's going to be different ways that we meet the city's need. There's going to be different ways that we pursue racial justice. There's going to be different ways that we're being holistic. There's going to be different ways that we release the kingdom together. So my us ask of you this morning is, let God move. Let God work. Let God love. Let God move. Let God work. Let God love. We're called to worship, serve, witness, and make disciples in the city of Harrisburg. Now, you got, at this rate, we got 38 years of me giving this sermon, so I, I'm going to save some for the other 37 years. <laughs> but one of the things I want you to hold on to, just to kind of wrap your heads around, I think it's undeniable that churches have forsaken the cities. But here's some stats I want to give you. In 2016, 54.5% of the world's population lived in an urban metro area. In 2013, 2030, 60% of the entire global population will live in a metro area. One in three of all the people in the world, one in three will live in metro areas with 500,000 people. The people are coming to the cities. The church must stay. You know, what's fascinating about Christianity is that Christians not liking cities is a modern invention. If you look at the history of Christianity, it was simply win the city, win the world. This is how we won Jerusalem. This is how we won Antioch. This is how we conquered Rome. This is how we conquered Constantinople. This is how we conquered Nicaea. This is how we conquered Geneva. And even in our little Brethren in Christ family, 100 years ago, the farmers were on the farm. You know, we, we talked a lot of church about diversity. And just like, we're just some, like, suburban people. We don't know what to do. And I was like, you know what? Read your history because these farmers had a farm and they dressed funny. But guess what? With the love of Jesus, they went to New York City. They went to Chicago. They went to Los Angeles. They even went to this little city called Harrisburg. We have to win the city. That's where the people are. So instead of believing this lie that darkness is only in the cities or darkness is amplified in the cities, I want you to look at the opportunities. We know where the fish is. We know where the people are. We need to be present. We're also called to model, teach, and witness the racial justice in our country and in our church. One of my dreams for this church is that we don't think we've arrived because we go to a church where we're different. We don't think we've arrived because we're racially different, socioeconomically diverse, educationally diverse. 
We don't think we've arrived because we sit in the pews, but we think we've arrived when we're bringing more people to the pews, but we're going out and loving the people who aren't in the pews. We think we've arrived when I can truly look at you and say, that's my sister. When it's not about everything I've learned, but what I've got to unlearn sometimes. When it's not about what I feel, but what God reveals to me. We need to be a church that's not content with just sitting and being different and looking at our beautiful pictures and mosaic. We need to be a church that says every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every single person who's not in the kingdom can come in because God loves them, I will love them. But we also need to be a church that says justice is making things right. And one of the things that excites me about the future is every single person in this room will have an opportunity to make something right in their life. How are you breathing justice into this world? And we need to be a church who will always serve the whole person, just like our Jesus did. One of the great blessings of this church is that people come up with great ideas, you know? A lot of times people think that, like, oh, the staff is doing that. I'm like, we do a lot. I'm not going to say we don't do a lot, but a lot of our best ideas, most of our best ideas, okay, all of our best ideas are usually from the congregation. And we think about serving the whole people. It's not just about preaching the gospel, but it's preaching a full gospel, right? That God came, so your life matters. That God lived to please God, so your life matters. That God died on a cross for your sins, so your life matters. That God was raised from the dead, so your life matters. That God is alive, so your life matters. But we get to dream about new ways to tell that story. We get to dream about new ways to love our people. We get to dream about new ways to say God is good. And we get to join hands together to release our Father's kingdom. That should excite every single one of us. You've heard me say this for years now. As Christians, we no longer have the privilege to complain about the world not being as it should be. We no longer have the privilege to complain about the darkness. We no longer have the privilege to complain about things not being right. Because every single time you complain, Jesus will say, I've sent my spirit and I've sent my church. The spirit is doing its work. The question for us has always been, what are we doing? What are you doing? What am I willing to do to release the kingdom of God? Sisters and brothers, we have much work to do, but because of God's love, we will not be consumed. We have much work to do, but because of God's compassion and mercy, they will never fail because they're new every morning. We have much work to do, but great, great, great is the faithfulness of our God and King. The other joy to stand here in front of you this morning is that we have quite a journey to continue. Quite a journey, but on that journey, we still have a God who is good, amen? amen? We still have a God who is our hope. We still have a God who is our salvation. I'd like to invite the worship team back up. I'd like to also invite the intercessors up. I think we're going to do that this morning. Why not? We like praying for you. We would pray for you for anything and everything. We're going to end by singing a song by Travis Green, and the song is You Made a Way. And there's no other way I could think about ending this service but praising our God who has made a way. So as you sing this song this morning, may you be reminded 
that no matter what hurdles in your life, God can make a way. May you also be reminded, though, of the past hurdles that God's made a way through. One of the great blessings of the ancient followers of God is that they would take these stones and they would make them as reminders of God's goodness. And I think we've lost that in our Christianity, right? So I think all of us need to be thinking about creative ways to help us remember. But as you sing this song, please be reminded that we're blessed, that we're loved, and we're carried by a God who always makes a way. Amen? Let's stand and sing together.